What's the one thing that drives men to be protectors? What is it that drives them to provide, to accept responsibility and to do their duty regardless of the weather or the problem or how they feel? They always are creating a safe space for their children. They're protecting them from the wolves of this world. It's called masculinity. Hey everyone on the Salty Pastor episode today, we use the biblical term for donkey. So if you're listening in your car with your kids, you might be prepared for that. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you must go on. It is not something you can opt out of. It's not something you can choose not to do. You're either growing or shrinking in your faith every single day. Mm -hmm. And we want to be part of your growth plan here at the Salty Pastor to challenge you to critically think for yourself so that you know why you believe, what you believe, and why you believe it. Uh, my name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor <laughs> himself, who's wearing his extra salty shirt today. I don't know if that is indicative of what we're going to be doing. Oh, today, yes. But Dr. Douglas Peak, hello, hello, hello. So good to have you. Well, on Tuesday, I wore my salty shirt. Yes. And today, it's extra salty. I was going to say, you were already pretty salty on <laughs> Tuesday, so I'm, I'm interested to see how salty we're getting. Well, you know, we like to joke about that, but in all reality, all we're doing is speaking, you know, clear truth to situations so that you can determine uh, your path. You can, you make, you know, choices based on critical information that kind of blows through all the smoke and the fog and all of the ob I call it obfuscation. You know, it's a fog that they try to obfuscate. They play to your emotions. They try to manipulate with, with only giving you partial facts. And our goal is to say, look, these things are patterns that have been seeded into our culture for decades and decades. Uh, you know, there, it's not a, a highly controlled thought experiment, but it's certainly the agenda of people. Right. over time to seed these. And there's a motivation behind their, their agendas to seed these ideas. They don't have any control how who adopts them or how they get rolling and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's somebody pushing something over a hill like a snowball and it's gaining momentum. And so the question is, why is that? And that's what we're trying to do is dig into these things, remove the fog so that you can say, hmm, this is where I stand on that. Right. Well, and I think that's what's so important about the Salty Pastor is it's never about us telling you what to think. Correct. We just want you to have the tools so that you know that you are thinking. Because mm -hmm. a lot of other places, the media, various news outlets, they would prefer you don't think. Correct. They, they don't want, want you, you to think. They want you to just take whatever they say at yes. face value, no research, no mm -hmm. thought process. Just whatever we said is true because... Well, that's what we said it was. Yeah. And so we here are saying, you know, anything Pastor Doug says, go do your own research. Yeah. Don't like, don't sit here and assume that he's, I mean, you should never assume anyone's telling you 100% truth yeah. unless they're reading directly from the Bible, which is the only source of 100% truth that Correct. we have in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And so you should be doing your own research. That's the only way you're going to really know what you have. Otherwise you're just living on, it's like a lot of teenagers. You're just living on your parents' faith of, well, my parents told me to believe this, so I believe it. And it's like, yeah. no, that's not your faith. That is Because it's unsustainable in times of difficulty. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it won't do anything for you and you crumble and you're wondering, why am I crumbling? Well, that's because you haven't taken any time to develop any foundation on which to build your life. Yeah, it's not your foundation. 
So we are doing something a little different um, yes. in this new series called Desperado. Over the next five weeks, the Salty Pastor is going to look directly at the challenges men are facing into today's world yes. and how they're being affected by these changes. Mm -hmm. um, then we're going to look at how the gospel of Jesus Christ is the answer to what men are looking for in life. On Tuesday's podcast, we're looking... We looked at the data concerning men, and it did not look great. <laughs> Does it look very I good? I left a little sadder that day, Pastor. I'm going to be honest. Sorry. There's been a war on men for 30 to 40 years, and it is now evident that it's working, and much to this dismay of average women. And I think it's really important that, yes, while this series is focused on men, and while we are going to speak directly towards what men are dealing with, Women who listen to the Salty Pastor, this is not the time for you to tune out because if you're having struggles meeting the right guy or if you have issues yeah. and complaints with the male relationships in your life, you need to know what they're dealing with because you're going to better understand yeah. why they make choices or why they may be in a certain mindset mm -hmm. by listening to these things and then ultimately how to help guide them to where their real value is and what authentic masculinity is through Jesus Christ. So yes. don't mm -hmm. tune out, ladies. This is not <laughs> the time for you to say, I'm taking a five-week break from the Salty Pastor while they talk about man stuff. Well, women love to talk about the men in their lives. They yes. enjoy that. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Pastor? Well, I think uh, on Tuesday, you know, we started off with their three main ideological drives in our society. Mm. Uh, first was the sexual revolution in the 60s. Uh, feminism that really took root in the, the 70s. Yeah, the second, third wave feminism that, that became an ideology. Before, it was just a movement. You know, right. and there's a difference between a movement and an ideology. A movement is, we, we see something that isn't fair, it's unjust, and we'd like to correct that, right? Well, so many people get behind it. What happens is, you know, it kind of fixes the injustice or it levels the playing field. And then it's like, well, there's so much momentum here. We don't want to let go of it. So they kind of try to push on to new things. Right. And that's why you have first wave, second wave, third wave, and, you know, eventually maybe fourth wave feminism, which fourth wave will never come because of uh, the whole issue around gender ideology. And uh, it's really interesting because the most radical feminists of all, you know, the ones that are way out there uh, have recognized this. Mm. And so it's so funny because these people that went out of their way to destroy Christianity in any way, shape or form and men who are scholars in these areas are now wanting to partner with them. They want to roll it back a little bit. They're like, yeah. oh, wait, this is starting to yeah. adversely affect us. Oh, my goodness. Yes. And it was. So that's feminism. And then I think, too, in a practical way, we cannot underestimate the influence of Title IX in the university indoctrination process, particularly on, you know, you think about this. This isn't a new phenomena. Like right now, everybody is talking about, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to send my kid to uh, university because they're going to be just had this conversation with one of my best friends on the phone yeah. the other day, we were catching up ever after having not talked for a while. And they were literally having this conversation about their oldest child. And both of them went to college. Both of them are well-educated people. And they're like, yeah. I don't know if I want to send her to college. Right. And, and it's the first time I would have ever thought that they would say that, but I was having this conversation and, and, had I not been on the salty pastor and listened yeah. to so much of what you've told me over the years, I would have been like, that's a stupid idea. Don't do that to your child. Send them to right. college. They need to learn. And I'm like, no, your, your fears are legitimate and you need to have a plan on how, if you do send them, how to make sure that they're not falling into the traps that we're constantly talking about here yeah. on the salty pastor. And what's interesting about it, so many people are waking it up to it now, but 
Just just for the record, 20 years ago, I did a couple of sermons uh, one August called 10 Things You Should Know Before You Send Your Kid to College. Mm. And I talked about these very things 20 years ago. That's what we call a hipster, Pastor Doug. <laughs> you knew about things before everybody else, and you talked about it. No one would listen to you, but there, well, we're I'm all not, a little slow and I'm we're catching up. I'm not trying up. to toot my own horn. I'm just trying to say that I have thought about these things. And this things. isn't a new thing. Yeah, it's not a new thing, and I've, I've had to deal with it. The biggest manifestation of it was people would come back from college college you know their kids would come back from college at christmas break and then they come and then they all <laughs> calling me and saying would you meet with my son meet with my daughter why well they came home for christmas and say they don't want to you know they don't believe in god anymore and they they're, they're they were uh, uh boycotting church you what were, happened you're having too many crisis calls and so you're yeah. just trying to alleviate so i was like hmm, what what is going on this seems oddly different you know so i kind of dug into it and did a set of messages on that you know, some people people are like, well, go back and do that again. Maybe I should because so all these all, all of these ideologies, ideologies though, yeah. where do they come from? Well, they're driven by this underlying social progress movement, and it's just a fact that all human beings have faith. Solomon wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes that every man has been given a measure of faith. The question isn't whether you have faith. The question is what do you put your faith in? Mm. And as our society has moved away from Christianity, and the reason why our society has moved away from Christianity is, this is very salty, it's not the fault of the church. Everybody wants to point fingers at the church. You should be changing the way you do you things. You aren't contemporary enough. You're not trying to reach blah, 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 blah. You know, you're not updating. You're to this, or you're not this, or you're not you this. You don't have this. They treat the church like it's some business functioning in society and the whole role of the church is to always be at the cutting edge of some cultural revolution that's a bunch of bunk as a matter of fact it's the exact opposite the bible says over and over and over again is that culture and society will turn away from the truth and run off to the place and then hate all of you hate you for staying true Mm. That is the fact. The reason why all these people left the church is because Satan got better at deceiving them. He got better at telling parents, you don't need church. Don't raise your kid in a church. I don't. I mean, I, I think he's always been good at it. I would almost say there's just more opportunities. The yeah. way the way the <laughs> he's always internet, been good at it. Right. The Internet and everything yeah. else has just made a lot more opportunities for people to be deceived. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. There's just so much more opportunity where. People aren't meeting together in church as much. They're getting more opportunities to be lied to the rest of the week because they're getting yeah. so much influx. Right? And, these, and these movements, these social progressive movements want that because they want sheep. Mm, yes. They want people to follow them. They want sheep. You know, this was uh, in Pinocchio, right? What happened in Pinocchio? Which version? Because there's been three new versions that came out oh, in the really? last six months. Yes. Well, the old ones, the you old know, one. okay. and that Disney is, one? yeah, where the, they take, they convince him to go right to the carnival, yes. right? And he turns into a And donkey. they start, all the boys start turning into donkeys, you know, and people are like, oh, what a funny story. And I'm like, do you see the truth in this? <laughs> Right? You take boys and you entice them with pleasure and fun. There's no sacrifice. There's no discipline. There's no rite of passage. There's no nothing. And what do all these boys grow into? Do they grow into men in Pinocchio? No. They grow into what? Jackasses. And that's what this society wants because a jackass 
thinks it's smart, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're a lot smarter than horses. And yes. so people are like, oh, well, it thinks it's smart, but it doesn't realize it's still a donkey. Yes. <laughs> and so one of the things I think is fascinating is that that's what these movements want. They are rooted in this uh, social theory, this critical social theory. There's a tremendous amount of uh, Marxist and Darwinian influence on it. There's some Nietzschean philosophy in it. There's a lot of these things that we have talked about mm. uh, in the past, and they have become a seedbed to push these things. And young males are now more susceptible to the influence of these ideologies if they were raised in homes where there was no father or their father was emotionally distant or their father was separated off, right? And sent off to work and he had very little to no um, interaction with him. So this is a real problem. And I, I'd like to show a video real quick from Denzel Washington about this because it's just so fascinating that what he says about this issue, particularly in the black community, it just exposes what these movements are attempting to do. Let's listen. Do you think we've made any headway? In the I think it's more important to make headway in our own house. By the time the system comes into play, the damage is done. They're not locking up seven-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was in Chicago a couple of three, four weeks ago, and we saw these little kids on bikes with masks on the side of their head, like five or six of them. And the driver said, yeah, they're little yummies. I said, who? He said, little, little yummies. Look up. Google little yummy. Mm. Little yummy was an 11-year-old murderer. Wow. And you look at his picture, you'll see the headshot of him, and he's like this. And he got murdered at 11 by a 14-year-old Wow! who's doing life now and a 16-year-old. That makes no sense. You, you blame the system? Where was his father? Yeah. It starts in the house. It starts in the home. And yeah, well, well, my father got locked up. Well, where was his father? Yeah. You know, that, 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 like I, I did talk about my three closest friends. And they did, you know, 15 to 25. One did 28, this and that. I was the only one of the three that had a father in my life even though my parents were together but i still had a father who was a gentle man and a good example yeah. and they didn't we can blame the system if we want but they didn't lock any of us up at seven wow powerful <laughs> that's powerful stuff because i think it's really important to note that in the 60s in the black community 75 percent of all children were raised in a two-parent home mm. and intact with fathers in the household today it's 22 percent of black youth are raised in a home with their father. And I would assume there's a lot, that statistic probably applies a lot to various other ethnicities as well in America. There's just a general trend overall of lack of fathers in the home, right? Across the board, except for in Asian families. They've got to figure it out, I guess. They value that. Well, they, I mean, it's interesting because uh, women in Asian families, predominantly, uh, and men, moms and dads, are married out of obligation and duty. Mm. It's not, it doesn't matter if you, your feelings towards this person. And so these, so Asians tend to be raised in intact two-parent families, right? Traditional. Traditional families. And uh, there's a big emphasis on education. 
Yeah. And hence, that's why even though they are one of the smallest minorities in the United States in America, they're one of the wealthiest minorities their, in the United States and most successful. Their their culture, their traditional culture has has shifted the way they view marriage. And so they've, they've Correct. chosen a different thing. They haven't been impacted as much as by the American version of marriage, right? Yeah. And so if you, if you, now I just like to make this point, it's a salient point and kind of get your feeling to it is that if you are a part of a secular progressive movement mm-hmm. and you wanted to see your Marxist ideologies grow and be propagated within the system itself, Right. If you remember in past when we would talk about Marxist ideology, you know, one of the top th- the top things in the Communist Manifesto, one of the top things that he wrote was the dissolution of what? The, the nuclear, nuclear family. family. Yeah. And so if you wanted to do that, what is the what what makes a, a nuclear family stay together? You know, uh, what what is the the rock that it's built on? And I say this without apology, it's the father, right? Now, mom is critically important. We've talked about that before. But, but why do we have to say that today? Well, because our thinking has become so infected with the feminist mindset that if you even dare to give props to a man who's raising his kids, that's somehow hurtful to women. Right. That, that's absolutely the most absurd and ridiculous thing I have ever heard. What it is, is fact. And the research all says it over and over again, that fathers are necessary. And so if you want your ideology to be propagated forward and you want to get rid of the nuclear family, then what are you going to do, right? You're going to spend all your time trying to teach boys to hate the fact that they're boys, that they're men, that they're males. What you want to do is you want to try to uh, undermine any sense of duty or responsibility to their family. Right. I mean, this, this, I guess that kind of really explains why this movement to marginalize men has become so powerful, right? To really de-emphasize strong father figures while fathers may be the rock and and mothers may be the glue they're not expected to be the same thing that's the issue we're running into all the time now is the the third wave feminism has said everyone should be a rock or everyone should be glue yeah and it's like it doesn't work that way if everyone's a hammer you know if everyone's a nail then everyone's yeah nothing ever gets put together yeah and so it's like there's that doesn't make sense, but that's the ideology that has been perpetuated. So I do understand this idea of this movement that's really marginalizing men. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, they're, they're, the, this ideology, you know, I say is, you know, that is trying to remove men from accepting responsibility for their families. It's older than Marx. It's like you, you were pointing out earlier, these things, you know, Satan's been good at this for, for a, a long very time. long time. And the issue that, though, that we're seeing today is masculinity. <laughs> and that is, is, is that these movements are all about attacking masculinity, right? Uh, we talked about this movie, you know, the, the masks that we wear, or something like that mm-hmm. is just, it, it, it is a feminist diatribe against man. But men and what's amazing about it is almost every university today that you go to, you have to watch this, you know, um, I mean, this is the equivalent of if, if you had everybody go to university, 
150 years ago and they sat down and stood up there and said, women are stupid and women will never be able to graduate from this university. Okay, now go forth and do well. I mean, that's just so ridiculous. It'd be like right. saying to Asians, it doesn't matter how much you study, you'll never have any success at this university. And yet there, our society doesn't even blink when they make, they force males to sit down and say, well, every problem in society is your fault because you're masculine. You know, you're the problem. Well, no wonder su suicidal ideation has gone through the roof for young males, right. particularly young white males. This is why the, the opiate addiction problem and alcoholism is just skyrocketed among males is because of these types of things. This ideology of removing men from their families is a systematic oppression of men, and it has gone on for decades and decades, for well, for centuries, thousands of years millennia but recently in america what is is to try to remove men from their families and now they don't go and say remove men from their family what they do is they say masculinity is the problem and by mm. attacking masculinity what's the one thing that drives men to be protectors what is it that drives them to provide to accept responsibility and to do their duty regardless of the weather or the problem or how they feel they always are creating a safe space for their children they're protecting them from the wolves of this world it's called masculinity Right. Mm -hmm. That's what drives a man to do that, because when you have masculinity, its effect on a family is absolutely and unequivocally powerful. It has a powerful influence on the neighborhood, on a city, a state or a nation. And once masculinity is gone, guess what? Everything collapses. A lot of people are, are laughing because in China right now, a lot of people are not aware of this, but one of their national commitments, Xi Jinping's national commitment is to increase the masculinity of their male population. Right. Is that fascinating? That That's is. a national goal. And so <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure how they're doing it. And I'm not sure I'd buy into their approach. That Xi Jinping yeah, anything he do. does, you know, he's, he's kind of crazy. But it's just fascinating that anybody can see how critically important that is. And, and what is happening today is that the medical community, the psychological community, our university administrations, our school boards, our school uh, administrators, our public education system are all being indoctrinated into this ideology. This ideology is going across the board. It's really going after boys. The American Psychological Association has deemed that mass Masculinity is harmful. Uh, listen to this uh, interview by Dr. Jordan Peterson, where he actually points out what they are doing. It's fascinating. But what they actually said was that traditional masculinity mm -hmm. was harmful. And yep. one of the arguments they said they made two for reasons, two yeah. reasons, compromised the mental health of boys and men and presented a social danger. And it's an absolute bloody lie. And here's, here's how you know, it's very straightforward. Biggest risk factor for long-term delinquency, antisocial behavior, and violent criminality. In boys Fatherlessness. Girls, fatherlessness. Right, okay, so let's, let's walk through it. Okay, so the, the idea is that boys are socialized to be pathologically masculine by men. We're assuming they're fathers. Okay, so then why is it in families with no fathers that everything falls apart? You can see just 
It's amazing to me that uh, it reminds me of the passage of scripture that professing to be wise, they just become fools. Mm -hmm. Is that they they come up with this notion that we have this huge uh, machine of ideology that's going, it's being seeded across the board to our public educational system and our universities. And now even in our medical and mental health uh, institutions across the board, the American Psychological Association, masculinity is toxic. And then he just says, then why is it that boys do so bad when there's no father? Mm. It's just, it's right in front of your face, the stupidity of this ideology. And when you pursue masculinity, you, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm accepting responsibility to protect myself and protect the people around me that I care about. Mm-hmm. When you pursue masculinity, masculinity demands that you provide. I'm not going out here to work just to feed myself. I'm going out here to work and be productive because I'm providing for everybody around me, right? My family, my wife, everybody else. I, masculinity builds. What possesses men to come together and say, we want to build fill in the blank. You know, we want to build a church or we want to build a school. We want to build all this because masculinity is creative and it builds, it's innovative. It creates safety, right? It's men who will say, Hey, I'll pull the midnight shit, uh, the midnight shift. I got to say that properly. Uh, not ship. Uh, I've got to, I got to pull. Now I'm going to make myself laugh. I'm going to pull the midnight shift and I'm going to walk the wall with my AR 15. Why? Why am I going to lose sleep? Because I'm here to create safety. Masculinity drives men to do that, right? Right. Uh, To stay awake and not fall asleep when they're on watch. Masculinity creates confidence in boys and girls. Masculinity breeds courage in the lives of children. Without masculinity, everything about our society will unequivocally fall apart. I mean, and we see that in so much of the way my generation has been taught about the messages of masculinity and what we should be doing and how we have, and we've seen where that's gotten us. So to end on a more positive note, Pastor, (laughs) what does the gospel do to help us discover authentic masculinity that isn't decided by culture, which is obviously not working? (laughs) Yeah. Well, first and foremost, what it does is it explains the challenges that you face simply because you're a man. You know, as a man, because you have that Y chromosome, you are created in the image of God as a male. That is a part of your identity. You can't run from it. You have to embrace it. Number two, the reason you want to embrace it is because there's a portion of that identity that has been cursed. It's fallen. It's sinful. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The curse, it's really interesting in Genesis chapter three, after the fall, it says this to the man as a male, you're going to be cursed. Uh, the ground is now cursed because of you. Okay. So that's where all those goat head stickers came from. I think it's the fall. You know, when you're out here in Idaho, they yes. have those goat heads everywhere. Yep. They're, they are the bane of your existence. They're evil. Uh, he says through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. So whereas before the, the, the earth produced fruit, right? That you could just harvest. Now you're going to have to work at it. Right. So there's a chaos that you've brought in and you have to keep the chaos at bay. So the fruit bearing, right? The productive crops can grow. Right. And that is a, that is a lot of work is because if you don't keep the weeds and the false and the evil at bay, what happens? You don't produce wheat. You don't produce Milo. You don't produce any soy, barley, corn, anything. 
you know, uh, you don't have fruit trees. You don't have any of these types of right. harvests. Um, and so what does that mean? Well, number three, we have desires and drives that are a part of our being created in the image of God that can be manipulated against us. They're used by the kingdom of this world to lead us astray, get us off the path, confuse us, distract us, and destroy us. My greatest failures as a man, you need to understand this, your greatest failures as a man will come from the drives that you have, okay, inside of you that have been perverted, all right? These are the drives that have the potential to create the greatest good. See, that that's Satan's scheme. That's his game. So the first thing it does is it challenges you to face, you know, what you have to deal with simply because you're a male. Mm -hmm. The second thing the gospel does is it gives you a path that leads to life. Uh, every man must have a path in life. Men, men, real, if without one, everybody needs one, you know, men and women alike, but men in particular, if they don't have a path, they are lost men. And the beautiful thing about being a male or a female in this regard is you get to choose your path. You get to choose it. And the gospel lays out the path to life. The gospel lays out the path to life. So you have to come in off the range. You have to realize that these ideologies are designed to manipulate me to turn and think in a certain way. I need to think for myself, think clearly about the signs that are right in front of my face. And the beautiful thing is that regardless of the ideology, regardless of the bureaucracy of the government, the oppression or the freedom over the last 2000 years, there is a track record that the gospel of Jesus Jesus Christ has won every single time. You can go to bank on it. This, uh, these principles that you laid out have really made an impact in my life, especially in the last four years. You know, having such strong, good examples of masculinity around me mm -hmm. here at Foothills has really increased my view of what masculinity really looks like you know i went to college i went and did ballroom dancing for a while so i was around a lot of very liberal mm -hmm. thinking people and so my view on masculinity from when i had grown up without a father around consistently but i was raised by several strong men in my church mm -hmm. drastically shifted when i was surrounded by all of these ideas for a long period of time and my idea of what masculinity really is really shifted and then when i came to foothills i've started finding oh this is why I felt so bad about being a man and finally and always having to apologize for literally anything I ever do. Right. Right. And, and my confidence and, and everything I am has really grown. And it's not in a toxic way, like the culture would like to tell me, but in a really authentic, powerful way that can really make an impact on the people's lives around me. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, you know, that's such a great thing. So you, you showed up originally thinking I just need a job. God had another plan. Yeah, he's, he's working on me in more ways than one. So. Yeah, and that's just it, is that we need men to usher us into manhood. That That's just the thing about it, and that is, is that, look, I, you know, as a pastor, when you uh, look at what we do as a church, uh, people will come, and if you were to audit our church, you would say, man, that church is committed to single moms. Mm. I mean, it is unbelievable how committed that church is to single moms. That church, you know what they do for single moms, the way they support them and, and meet their needs and do, I mean, it's just across the board. I go on and on about it, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to embarrass the single moms who need help and support, right? But the thing about it though, is that we also don't sit there and say flowery nonsense either. And that is that, you know, 
men are very important in the lives of your child. And here, what we're trying to do is produce masculine men. And my opinion too, is that a lot of those single moms wouldn't be in that position if men had been pursuing masculinity in the first place. Mm. Right. And they wouldn't have their drives being manipulated against them to do things where they shun responsibility. Right. Right. They, they do that. And so that's, what's really important is that the more we pursue masculinity, the better it is for everybody. It's not only is you as an individual, but all the people around you as a boss, as an employer, you become a better boss as you become more masculine, right? right. Cause you're not thinking, Oh, how do I feel about something? And I'm going to make a decision based on my feelings. You're think you start to think about what's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. What, what uh, am I being a good boss? You know, I remember just recently, Oh, I don't know, maybe it's a few months back and we were talking about something and I just, you know, I made a salty comment about something or other and your response to me in that moment blew me away because you said, well, I don't think that's fair pastor. And I said, why? And you said, well, because I wasn't responsible in laying out the expectations first. Right. And I thought, Whoa, that's a home <laughs> run right there, baby. See what you were doing. You're saying is like, you know, I mean, if something goes bad and I should feel bad over it. Yeah. But that's irrelevant. The, the key is, is what's my responsibility. And right. if I could have done better in laying that out, we could have avoided that outcome. But I go, see, that's masculinity. It thinks in terms of that in masculinity, when it takes responsibility is free from the emotional pain of making a mistake. That's what so many people don't get, especially men who don't take responsibility. They think if I take responsibility, I'm going to have more of this emotional pain. I'll feel like a failure because I'm making commitments, but the exact opposite is true. It's the exact opposite. When you take responsibility, you know what happens is all that toxicity starts to get bled out of your life and all of your relationships. Every man must follow a path. He's driven to manifest his masculine qualities. He will never experience fulfillment if he does not manifest the masculine qualities of his life. If a man does not understand the barriers to becoming a man and seek to overcome them, he will never experience the fullness of manhood. He'll never be able to answer the question, am I enough? Therefore, pursue your masculinity, guys. Never listen to the priests and prophets of postmodern secularists. Be on guard for the social theorists in the university who seek to emasculate men and create sheep. Stand firm against the false experts who preach anti-masculine propaganda. Protect yourself from this world's scheme to use your desires against you. Hold your head high, your shoulders back, and march with confidence into the kingdom of God, for that is the path that brings you freedom. I want you to choose the right path, the path to life. It does not want you to be, this world does not want you to be at peace, satisfied with your direction in life. It wants you to be addicted, confused, without direction, uh, passive, uh, and have no foundation or conviction in your life. Why the world wants that? Because those men are weak. They're weak men. They're sheep. They're told what to do and they do it. They're easily controlled. They are toxic males. They are unmasculine males. So stop living out there on the range, guys. Don't be a desperado anymore. You know, that's the whole point of this series. Uh, Don't try to do it on your own. Pursue your masculine heart. There's nothing 
Nothing toxic about a redeemed, true, authentic, masculine heart. And that's what we want you to experience. Well, Pastor, in our outline here, it tells me to comment, but I don't know how I (laughs) close any stronger than that on our episode. So I just want you guys to think through that, replay that section, because Pastor Doug put a lot of thought into what he just said. And I think it's it's God's hope for you as well. And you should hear that thought Mm. and what he wants for you. Um, Pastor Doug may be saying the words, but I think this is all biblically based on what God wants for us. And I think you guys need to hear that over and over again, because the world's going to tell you the complete opposite. So if you're not listening, at least as much to these kind of thoughts Mm -hmm. as the world is telling you, you're going to always lean towards the, what the world wants you to do. So stay out of it. Please repeat this, put it on repeat. Um, thank you guys so much for joining us and make sure you tune in on Sunday. We're going to have a, a fun worship experience um, to kick off our Desperado series. And then Pastor Doug's obviously going to go at it. And as you can tell, he's very passionate about this topic. So it's one you will not want to miss. Thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Sunday. Rock and roll. <laughs>